Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your AEW Dynamite Post Show for January 3rd, 2024. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on this Wednesday night, wherever you may be. Ladies and gentlemen, flying solo tonight. And like I said, Jesse is not going to be with us. He had a little uh, little setback. He is in the hospital right now, probably watching what we are talking about here tonight. And he will be back next week, hopefully. He's doing very well. He's doing very good. And he'll be back next week. And uh, I just want to pass along the word. So if you guys want to go out of your way to go tweet, what are they calling you now? What were they? Uh, X's? You want to go X, Jesse? Go on X and tell him how much you don't want him on the show. Maybe I'll find a replacement for him. Now, we love Jesse. There he is. He's in the five. Of course, he's in the fucking chat. Oh, my goodness, man. Anyway, AEW Dynamite tonight, man. I thought Dynamite tonight flowed very well. I thought it was... And I know we talked about this on Sunday when Jesse and I were live for the World's End post show. They needed to come out and really swing those bats. They didn't need to come out here. They could not afford to come out here and hit sacrifice bunts, running, you know, moving the runners over to second and third base, potentially in scoring position. No, none of this shit, man. AEW needed to come out swinging tonight. And I thought they hit a home run. And they absolutely needed to do that. And they did that with this show tonight. And I will get to the Super Chats. There's two $100 bombs in the chat. I will get to you guys in a second. I thought they hit a home run tonight. They did what they needed to do. And I love when a pro wrestling promotion takes what is the biggest angle that they've done. We close World's End with it, and then we come back on Wednesday, back to weekly television, and it's the first thing you see on television. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you have to wait till the middle of the show or the end of the show. AEW threw Adam Cole out there. They threw his boys out there. And they got right into the thick of things and the explanation that Adam Cole gave us. We are going to go over what Adam Cole said tonight in the opening promo. But the short and sweet version is, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. We got a name for the group. 
We got Adam Cole in his chair, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite images in all of AEW. I, I think it's great. Now we just got to get him a throne to sit upon because he's the devil. We got a name for the group. We got them all aligned together. Who they needed to be, it's exactly who they needed to be. We got a mission statement, not only for Adam Cole, but we got a mission statement for all four of his boys. And we got new theme music. Everything completely redone. Loved it. Absolutely hit a home run with the opening segment. Adam Cole got right into it and explained why he turned on MJF at the end of World's End. He did mention MJF twice tonight. He mentioned them more than twice, I believe, but he mentioned MJF by name specifically. And for everybody wondering if MJF is going to WWE or if MJF is going to be in the Royal Rumble... And he's going to be wrestling at WrestleMania. You're going to have to wait a few years on that, man. MJF mentioned by Adam Cole a couple of times tonight only indicates that MJF is still with AEW. MJF is coming back to win his world championship, coming back for revenge. And he's with AEW for the long haul. Can't wait to see him back. We are definitely going to miss him. And I guess I should address these Super Chats because you guys are going absolutely bonkers in the chat. I don't even know what to say here, man. Holy shit. What's going on, man? Jesse's not here and you guys are just going crazy here tonight. Oh, my goodness. Billy Sizane with the $100 Super Chat. Happy New Year, JD. And Baydala. One down, one more to go. It's all about the money. Great Dynamite, the fucking kings of the IWC. Fuck the haters, says Billy. Billy, Drew and I love you. Thank you so very much, man. Appreciate your generosity. We love having Billy in the chat. Drew was supposed to be with me tonight. He opted not to do it. We'll talk about whatever we got to talk about whenever we talk about it. So don't worry about what Drew's doing. Drew's got a lot to say already. He's got a lot to say on social media because geeks were coming at him for no reason tonight. Don't know why. We simply put our opinions out there and people think it's, oh my God, man, it's the end of the world. It's crazy. Thank you, Billy. Jason Barker with a $100 Super Chat. First Barker bomb of 2024. Let's get it up to 200K or more by the end of 24. Professor JD and his class is in session. Always, man. Every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Friday, and sometimes on Saturday when the PLEs slash pay-per-views are necessary. Or collision. Thank you, Jason Barker, the IWC Tribal Chief, has always coming in big. And then we got Thomas Franco with a $100 Super Chat. Hey, JD, Happy New Year. Looking forward to a great year of your reviews and hope Jesse is doing okay. Keep up the great work, Thomas. Thank you so very much, brother. Really, really appreciate all three of you guys and everybody here tonight that is joining me on the AEW Dynamite post. Adam Cole. Adam Cole nailed it. I love vile Adam Cole. He's great television. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this group does on AEW television. We got Mariah May. She debuted tonight for AEW in-ring. 
She's been with the company for several weeks now. Tonight was her debut match in AEW. I didn't really have any knowledge of how good or how bad Mariah May was, but from what we saw tonight, I was very impressed. And I know a lot of people are going to probably clip this and take it out of context and make me out to be the bad guy. Oh, how could you compare? How, how could you compare the two? Looks like Tony Khan's got his version of Tiffany Stratton in AEW. Exactly what uh, type of vibe I get from Mariah May. But I was impressed with what we saw tonight. I was even more so impressed that Tony Khan started the new year off by addressing a major problem, which is the women's division. How do we do that? We bring in one of the biggest names in the women's wrestling realm, and that is Deanna Perrazzo. No longer with TNA, Tony Khan has made Deanna Perrazzo a New Jersey native, all elites. Is Deanna going to solve all the problems of the AW women's division? Absolutely not. Neither will Mercedes. But it's a damn good fucking start. I'll tell you that right now. We'll go over what she said and what AEW is going to do with Deanna and Mariah May. Swerve Strickland. Everybody's calling for Swerve to win the world championship in 2024. That very well could happen. With MJF out for an extended period of time, we may be looking at Swerve as the AEW champion at some point this year. Now he's got an uphill battle because Samoa Joe is the AEW world champion. Adam Cole wants the world title. Adam Cole also said that Wardlow is going to be chasing the world championship while he's injured. We'll get to why he said that in a second. It's going to be a lot of competitors chasing that title. Paige wants the title. Jay White wants the title. Will Ospreay wants the title. It's going to be a big, big, big year for AEW World Title contenders. But Swerve wants that title, but he's got to go through Adam Page once again as Tony Khan is seemingly setting up round three, match number three between Swerve and Adam Page. I don't really mind it, and I don't know why you guys would mind it either. I don't know. What they did the first two times has been tremendous business. With the second match, the Texas Death Match, being one of the best matches that the company's ever put on. So if you can do that match again, I don't know why anybody would complain. Swerve is not going to go after the world championship right away. I don't think so anyway. He may very well go after the world title. He may be the guy to take on Samoa Joe Revolution. In March, I don't know. I think it's a little too soon for that. Maybe we do double or nothing, but Swerve is definitely eyeing the world championship in 2024, and rightfully so. It's time. Especially with MJF out, you're going to need fresh faces, new blood, and people always stepping up their game. And when MJF gets back, I'd love to see the main event scene even more flourished with even more people chasing that opportunity. Only makes for a healthier company. I thought Dynamite did a lot of right tonight. They got some wrong on tonight's show, which I will be very vocal about because I have expressed very vehemently and passionately what not to do 
in 2024. And like always, Tony Khan and his creative team, they just go against common sense and common logic. So we'll go over that. We'll go over the rest of Dynamite tonight, which I thought, like I said, was a very, very good show. And AEW started off the year on the right foot, man. Thank you guys so very much for joining me here on OTS. We're going to get into everything tonight. What a tremendous couple of days it has been, man, to start the new year. I want to thank you guys very, very much. I love how we have created a centralized hub for all things pro wrestling, man. Monday, we got you covered. Nobody does it better. Tuesday, Drew and I, the best debate show in the entire IWC. There is no one better. I don't give a shit who you watch. They're number two. And I'm a humble and honest guy, but I love my guy, Drew. He's got great takes. He's a great presence. And we're doing our thing. Wednesday, whether I'm here by myself like I am tonight or I'm with Jesse, the best AEW coverage in the entire community. Friday for SmackDown, got you covered. Not this Friday. I won't be live on Friday, but I'll be live on Saturday afternoon. I won't be live on Friday because, here's the spoiler, folks. I'll be in Atlantic City at the Borgata. And I'll be at a concert. Mark Tremonti of Alter Bridge is singing Frank Sinatra. I could not pass that up. But you guys could go watch whoever else is live. I mean, Denise is live, right? I mean, if you guys want to get to bed early and you guys want to fall asleep or maybe have your ears bleed, go watch that. I'll be listening to the beautiful, melodious voice of Mark Tremonti sing Frank Sinatra. And then Saturday night, I'll be at House of Glory. Look at that, Jesse. I'll be calling impact matches on Saturday, man. Oh, man. What am I going to do there, bro? It's going to be great. Saturday, we'll be live with SmackDown. Regardless, off the script. You want your wrestling news? We got it daily. Nobody does it better. Loving the numbers. Loving the support so far through through the, the three days of 2024, man. Great shit. Loving it. We're well on our way to 152,000 subscribers. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all the content. It's on the homepage. Tonight's show, who we sponsored by tonight? Blue Chew, right? Blue Chew? Now, we're not doing Manscaped. It's Blue Chew. Blue Chew is the sponsor for tonight's show. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys go and get your free sample on me. All you have to do is pay the $5. Shipping and handling. Super chats are open. Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. 
What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. You guys got some bombs already in the chat. I love it. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Membership's always open. Get them on in. And next time you see me will probably be tomorrow. I don't know what's going on in the news, but apparently Impact and WWE are not working together. Mike Johnson, PW Insider, debunked that rumor. Not happening. I don't know what to tell you, man. The rumor is Impact and WWE partnership not happening. Warner Brothers Discovery and Monday Night Raw apparently not going to be announced on Thursday. My guy Drew says more than likely it will be the destination for WrestleMania 41. I don't know. We'll figure it out Thursday, tomorrow. I'll be watching as Triple H is on Peacock with his major announcement. Let's get into the AEW Dynamite post here, and we start the show off with Samoa Joe. Now, I didn't see this before tonight's show. Apparently, this was a uh, Twitter or AEW online exclusive. Comments made by Samoa Joe after he beat MJF for the AEW World Championship. Samoa Joe... I don't know how you guys feel about Samoa Joe, man. I remember, and I'm going to go back to the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. You guys remember that? Ah, Bruce, what would be a good name for a new PLE, pal? Oh, Great great Balls of Fire, Vince. (laughs) Ah, that's good shit, pal. You guys remember Great Balls of Fire? Could have been great if Samoa Joe beat Brock Lesnar, but we unfortunately didn't get that. Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar and what Samoa Joe was doing around that time period in WWE, that was, up until now, that was his best effort from what we've seen of him on national television in a very long time. Fast forward to AEW. 
He's held the Ring of Honor TV Championship. Nobody gives a shit. I mean, Ring of Honor could be in all of everybody's back catalog and you can hype up the level of importance of Ring of Honor. I I don't care. I I don't care. The only people that care about Ring of Honor are the fucking eight people who watch it on the app. One of them being Tony Khan. Nine people. Nobody cares. But Samoa Joe was the king of television. He was doing his thing, for sure. Samoa Joe and MJF had had a great match at Grand Slam. Loved it. I thought they did a tremendous piece of work. Right inside Arthur Ashe Stadium. That's unfortunately where Adam Cole got injured and he broke his ankle. But regardless, the show went on, the story went on, and the story had to pivot into a completely different direction now with Adam Cole being hurt. But Samoa Joe always remained a constant on television. Producing great matches, producing great drama on television. Samoa Joe has always been the guy to really rely on when you want to bring a sense of legitimacy to anything that any promotion wanted to put on television. Samoa Joe has final boss vibes written all over him. Samoa Joe and what he's done, honestly, I, if it wasn't for Samoa Joe, if it wasn't Joe, I'd probably be sitting here right now telling you that Max should have never lost the championship. But a lot of factors went into why Joe won and why Max lost. MJF is hurt. MJF is hurt. MJF doesn't deserve that. We deserve a healthy MJF. He had the best run as a world champion all year in any promotion. He had a banger, banger, banger year with matches that will go down as some of wrestling's best, not even AEW. I think he shut a lot of people up this year. A lot of people are like, oh, he's nothing more than a Walmart great value Miz. Now, now, granted, you know, being compared to the Miz is not really a bad thing. The Miz is a Hall of Famer, but I, I mean, the Miz is nowhere near the caliber wrestler that, that MJF is. I mean, let's be real. All people thought MJF was, was a promo. Oh, he's a great heel. Then people started to shit all over his shtick. Oh, he just shits on the crowd. Oh, he shits on the city that we're in. It's the same thing over and over again. Man, did he shut you guys up? Not only did he become the biggest babyface in the company, but he became the biggest babyface in the company who put on some of the best matches in all of pro wrestling all year. So not only was he a great pro wrestler, now he's a great promo and a great pro wrestler. The smart ones understood. The smart ones realized that at a very early time. So both of them deserve their flowers. And if there's one guy that was going to take the world title off of MJF right now with who's been on television, who's been consistently just going out there and doing the deal, it's been Samoa Joe. I have no problem with that. You will never hear out of my mouth me having a problem or Jesse or Drew having a problem with Samoa Joe winning a world championship, especially against someone the caliber of a pro wrestler like MJF. He deserves it. MJF knew it. Tony Khan knew it. And he played a perfect foil. 
and MJF will be back. But right now, it's Samoa Joe's time. It's Samoa Joe's AEW. And no matter what he does, whoever he's in the ring with, whoever he decides to drop that championship to, it will be deserved on whoever's in the ring with him. He will drop the championship, and whoever wrestles Joe and beats Joe will be better off for it because that's how good Joe is. No doubt about it. Samoa Joe cut a great promo. You want to know why he's the world champion? This promo should explain everything you need to know. They opened with Joe standing backstage with Triple B over his shoulders. This was after he won the world title on Saturday night at the Nassau Coliseum. He was sweaty. He was breathing heavy. He addressed beating MJF. Said MJF embarrassed him, cheated, and used everything at his disposal to try and keep that belt from him. Said he took everything from him in front of his friends and family on Long Island. You may be a scumbag, MJF, but I'm a heartless son of a bitch. He then added that there's not enough room in the world for both of them. I am Samoa Joe, and I am the AEW World Champion, and I will take everything from anyone who tries to take this from me. I mean, that's got to be the best time to do a fucking promo with somebody like Samoa Joe right after that match, man. Can you imagine what he was thinking when he finally held that belt and walked up the aisleway away from the ring, realizing that he finally won a world championship? You got raw, genuine, real Samoa Joe in that moment. Beautiful fucking stuff. Now, I would have done it differently with Samoa Joe. I would have not had him immediately leave the ring and then walk up the ramp. I would have had him stayed in the ring. Jesse and I documented this on Saturday. Something. I would have had Joe stay in the ring during the whole devil reveal and during the entire beatdown of MJF, only to then look at Adam Cole and shake his hand for doing business with the devil. His body language would have been all I needed to see. His smirking would have been all I needed to see. His laughing would have been all I needed to see. It would have added a nice dose of a visual to the end of that MJF Samoa Joe match during the devil reveal at World's End. One of the minor changes that I would have made. Adam Cole. He limps out on crutches with now what we are calling the United Kingdom. No, not the United Kingdom. I'm thinking fucking Will Ospreay. I'm thinking fucking three months ahead. Undisputed Kingdom. United Kingdom. Yes, the UK. I can't wait to get back to the UK. The Undisputed Kingdom. The Undisputed Kingdom, man. Love it. I absolutely love it. They got new logos. They got new theme. They got new lighting. And Adam Cole's got a new attitude. You know, the Undisputed Era, you could sit there and say, oh, this is just like the Undisputed Era, or whatever the fucking case may be. I know there'll be some fucking four-eyed geek online trying to compare NXT Undisputed Era versus Undisputed Kingdom here In AEW, who gives a shit? Who cares? It's a different group. It's a different time. It's a different storyline. It's a different Adam Cole. And Adam Cole is going to play a villain here. 
And a villain is always enhanced by the people he surrounds himself with, which is also going to spawn story within the undisputed kingdom. This is great stuff. They needed new. They got new. And Mikey Ruckus hit a fucking home run here with everything. Wardlow, Roddy, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett, they're all dressed in black. Strong spoke first. Told everyone to shut up and listen to his best friend, Adam! And then he handed the microphone to Adam Cole. Cole sat on a chair and asked the fans, why don't they have sympathy for him? He said he finds it so ironic that so many people were shocked and disgusted at what happened at the end of World's End. He said, that means they're all stupid and they don't understand right from wrong. Listen, baby. I mean, I got tweets to back it up, man. I kind of I thought it was all maybe a work. Or at least you were injured and you were really hot, you know, playing up the fact that it was a lot worse than what it really was. But I predicted Adam Cole from the very beginning. I mean, it's got to be a work, right? It's got to be a work. He's going to stab MJF in the back. Then we get the devil. I'm like, yeah. I, I did not predict. Jesse did not predict anybody else when people were throwing names. What about Jungle Boy? No. What about Wardlow? No. What about Kenny Omega? No. What about Tony Khan himself? No. Will Ospreay? No. The Don Callis family? No. None of these names. Britt Baker. If Britt was a part of the entire thing, I wouldn't mind that. None of these names made sense on their own. None. The only one that made any logical sense was Adam Cole. That was it. So when people thought it was everybody else, I stayed the course. I was either going to be dead wrong or I was going to be right for the last five months. Which one was I? I don't really get a lot wrong when we talk about anything on this show. He said they think they're the bad guys because he betrayed MJF. He said MJF has created more enemies in AEW than anyone else. He said he's run his mouth for years. Instead of turning on MJF makes him the devil, then buy me a one-way ticket straight to hell. Cole said MJF is a narcissist, and the only person he cares about is himself. He said it was time for a change. So most of the wrestlers in the back will eventually thank him for what he did at World's End. He said that's true of the fans and Tony Khan as well. You will all thank me. MJF is gone, and MJF is never coming back. The fact that he said that, that's all you need to know. MJF will be back, and MJF is going to fucking break the other ankle when he gets back. So there are a lot of reasons why he did what he did. This is the good stuff here. He said MJF would have done the same thing to him the second he didn't need him anymore. I mean, he's not wrong there. The max that we knew for the last four years is exactly what Adam Cole described here. Adam Cole was one step ahead of the game. He outsmarted the devil. Said Cole never needed MJF. He said he sacrificed everything in this friendship. I even broke my ankle 
So I lost something. MJF did not. He then took credit for the fans falling in love with MJF. He said in the beginning, this was all about the AEW World Championship. But then it turned out to be more than that. He leaned forward and said it became about ripping the heart out of a man and bringing him to his knees. MJF is dead. Says Adam Cole as the fans chanted, shut the fuck up at Adam Cole. Gotta love New Jersey. Now, before I get on to what he said in closing here, Adam Cole is not wrong. Now, I wouldn't give Adam Cole all the credit. I think people at some point along the way were sympathizing with MJF and really started to get behind babyface MJF. But what really put MJF over the top in the eyes of the fans as a babyface and never looked back is Adam Cole. The skits, the vignettes, the funny comedy together, the banter back and forth, the kangaroo kicks, and everything else in between. Everybody fell in love with Adam Cole and MJF better than you, baby. It's something that carried AEW television for weeks. It was the show's best content on most weeks. So Adam Cole is not wrong there. It's not all to do with Adam Cole, but it was so different than what we've seen. It was instantly liked by everybody because it was different. It was AEW basically walking into something that they did not plan on getting over so big. It was lightning in the bottle. They walked into a happenstance. They happened to just be gifted an unbelievable partnership, an unbelievable act that carried weeks of television, and they didn't even plan on it to be a thing. It was maybe a couple of weeks of story, and it turned into something that led us from half the year in the summer all the way up until the end of the pay-per-view at World's End. It's crazy. Now, clearly, Adam Cole's injury cost a lot of AEW creative. Who knows where this story would have went if Adam Cole wasn't hurt? We probably would have gotten the devil revealed before then. With Adam Cole winning the world championship at World's End. In a likely scenario, if Adam Cole isn't hurt, that's probably what would have happened. That's something that I'd love to see happen still. In a perfect world, if Adam Cole did not get hurt, we probably would have gotten the devil reveal and Adam Cole as the world champion at the end of World's End. I would still do that. With Max out, Adam Cole wins the world championship. When he gets better, obviously. I'm already thinking, I'm already thinking nine months ahead. It's January. I'm already thinking, I'm already thinking about Wembley. I'm already thinking about all in. I'm thinking Adam Cole, MJF, for the AEW World Championship, and MJF winning that championship back in front of 70,000 people. That's what I'm thinking. Or maybe I'm just talking out of my asshole. Does AEW have enough resources to take this all the way to that point? In a perfect world, that's the perfect ending to this story. 
Because that's what it, that's what it should have been. That's what it was going to be. But better than you, Bebe, AEW lucked into something unbelievable that they did not plan on. And Adam Cole is not wrong there. He said his group has one goal in common, which is winning gold. He pointed out that Taven and Bennett are the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Sorry, Cole, nobody cares. The fact that they are champions, they are Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Nobody gives a shit about Ring of Honor. Nobody cares to watch Ring of Honor. And they should realistically be the AEW Tag Team Champions. That would take the storyline from great to fantastic. But yes, let's pretend that they are important because they're the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Now granted, these titles did belong to Adam Cole and MJF. They are a part of the storyline. They have been a part of the storyline. But they were an anchor that held MJF down for most of his run. Now they're on Taven and Bennett. Are they any more valuable now that they are on Taven and Bennett? No. No, they're not. I don't give a shit. But for the sake of the story, they're champions. They need to be two guys that fit in. So they're the tag team champions. Roddy, he's going after the international championship. Orange Cassidy needs to watch out. I'm loving this. He said Wardlow is finally with a group who respects him. And he's going to go after the AEW World Championship. He said when he's healed and the ankle is 100%, Wardlow will do the right thing and forfeit the AEW title and give it to me. Now, I don't know if you guys picked up on Wardlow's reaction when Adam Cole said that. That's Adam Cole planting seeds for what is going to happen here. He's going to realize this is just me pitching. Wardlow is going to realize that at the end of all this, through all of this, and what he's heard from the Undisputed Kingdom, Adam Cole, Roddy, Taven, Bennett, the fact that they convinced him that Max is the evil one here, and Cole is the good guy. Wardlow is going to realize that at the end of all this, that Adam Cole is nothing more than a bullshit artist, and MJF is truly a decent human being. So not only are we getting a great blood feud here between MJF and Adam Cole that will hopefully result in a banger match and a great story, revenge, and him getting the world title back. But at the same time, we've already planted seeds for an MJF resurrection, or a Wardlow MJF resurrection angle to build him back up to where he was through MJF. I mean, I don't know how you can hate on that. Because that's exactly what they did here. They planted seeds for a Wardlow babyface turn at some point in 2024. And to me, if it fleshes out the way that I think it will, Wardlow will be right back to where he was as a babyface because of all the heat that he's getting now, only to eventually turn and join MJF. I think that's fantastic shit. 
Again, I could be wrong, but I feel like those were seeds planted right there. And it's something a dictator and a piece of shit would say, you're going to go win the world championship for me, and then you're going to hand it right to me because that's what I do. I'm the leader. I'm the devil. You do whatever you serve me. But his look was like, yeah, I'll do that, but I'm not really going to do that. Cole said it was an absolute pleasure doing business with Joe. He says they were happy to take out Hangman Page for him. He said when Warlow rises through the ranks and earns a title shot against him, he hopes Joe isn't the champion because it really, really suck to hurt a friend, he says. He said self-esteem is built on action, and they took action. He said AEW needed change, and they made it happen. The Undisputed Kingdom starts a new chapter here in AEW, and the devil is here to stay, baby. Excellent, excellent, excellent open. Thought this was great shit. All of a sudden, Jay White's music hits. So we go from a great Samoa Joe promo to Adam Cole giving us the explanation that we all needed and all deserved coming out of World's End to Jay White. So AEW is covering all of their bases here. Now we got the reveal of the devil. Adam Cole is the devil. And everybody that they took out and placed blame on is now coming and gunning for them. The acclaimed Adam Page. And here we got Jay White, who was one of the first victims to be taken out by the devil's henchmen. White says he's glad to see Cole didn't lose his edge after all. He says he's a fan of what he's done to MJF, but he doesn't like being collateral to his cause. He said he's not alone now, unlike when Cole had his men attack him months ago. Austin and Colton Gunn came out. They charged to the ring and brawled with Taven, Bennett, Roddy, and Wardlow. The acclaimed then charged out, and it's a big Pier 6 brawl with Bullet Club Gold, the acclaimed, Billy Gunn, and Adam Cole and the Undisputed Kingdom. This was great stuff. They covered all of the bases that they needed to cover in week one of this new chapter. Everything that they did in this open was perfect. You got everything. Samoa Joe with the opening promo after he won the world championship. It shows you how valuable that championship is and how big of a deal it was to beat MJF after such a historic reign. Adam Cole comes out, fresh new coat of paint, new look, new theme, his boys behind him, stable name, cuts a promo, Explains why he did what he did. And a mission statement behind where they are going and what they plan to do. How many stables, how many stories have characters that go out there and don't do that? I've been asking for that with the outcasts for how many, many, many months now? They never showed up and said what they want to do, what their mission statement is. Sometimes it just flies over a booker's head. 
Oh, that's not important. They just look good on television. I don't give a fuck who you are and how good you look. Why are you here and what is your mission? What is your goal? We got everything. Jay White comes out. Hey, man, I was attacked. I don't want to be collateral in your fucking game here. Now you got to pay. The tournament's over. I got my boys back. I'm not alone. He claimed they were thrown through real glass. They got fucked up because they wanted to befriend MJF. Now they want revenge. So what AEW realistically did here was not only cover all their bases, but we got a Wardlow tease potentially breaking away from the undisputed kingdom in 2024, like I documented. But also, we could be potentially looking at Blood and Guts 2024. With MJF back, I would not put it past Tony Khan to start thinking ahead and set up blood and guts later this year between Undisputed Kingdom, maybe Bullet Club Gold, maybe MJF. Don't know what it's going to look like come the summertime. But everything AEW did here was absolutely spot-on perfect bullseye. Loved it. Moving on, we got a vignette airing on Daniel Garcia with Garcia talking about his scheduled match against Swerve Strickland in the main event. I didn't really know why this was the main event out of all the matches on this show tonight, but it was a very good match between these two in the main event. He said, no matter how much pressure Swerve puts on him, he will not break. He said he will not beat him. Because he will fight through the pressure. Again, simple stuff. Garcia coming out of a tournament in which he only won one match in the last seven weeks. And now he wants to get back on the right track. And a match against Swerve is going to do that. Simple, easy, set up the main event, perfect. Orange Cassidy. He defended the international championship against one half of top flight in Dante Martin. Don't really know why this match is taking place. Orange Cassidy's matches as of late have been very ineffective of becoming unimportant. Or uh, I should say they're, they're, they're ineffective or unaffective to make the championship look prestigious. They are effective to give me useless television. Basically is what it is. Match didn't really mean much to me at all. Dante Martin is not a singles guy. He's half of a tag team. We've seen enough Dante Martin singles matches. Now that his brother's back, we're still putting him in singles matches. Honestly, that's what we're doing. When we got top flight out there, potentially as a top tag team in the company, Top trio in the company with Action Andretti. You still want to give him a singles match for the sake of giving him a singles match with no rhyme or reason behind it? It's tough to get behind that. Orange is a great wrestler. I don't give a shit what you say about Orange Cassidy. You could sit there and tell me until you're fucking green in the face. Orange Cassidy is a great pro wrestler. In fact, he's one of the best pro wrestlers in all of AEW. I don't give a shit what you think of his gimmick. 
The guy's busted his ass. The international championship isn't where I would like it to be, but I and my opinion don't matter. I'm only telling you exactly what I see through my eyes. I can't tell the difference between the international title, the TBS title, the women's title, or now the continental title, which I will be ranting about in a little bit. The one thing Tony Khan needs to do is stop giving out title matches because they look good or sound good earlier in the week. I need title matches to actually mean something. The world championship cannot be the only thing in this company as far as titles go that means anything. You got to do better. I'm tired of Orange Cassidy defending against random fucking people. This is not a video game. This is not a fucking wrestling simulator. We're not in some E-Fed. I know Tony Khan was in E-Feds back in the day. I know I was. I wrote my own storylines. I created my own guy. I wrote in and wrestled other people with words. I did all that shit. I called the fucking hotlines. It's 2024, buddy. We don't need random matches. I want substance. Things need to change. Start differentiating your championships from other championships in the company because right now, I don't know what title means anything outside the world title. Now, with that said, was this a good match? Yes, it was a good match. It was a fun match. Crowd was into it. But a great match is a great match. It could have been a better match if the match actually had fucking meaning. Really. So we pick it up and we go into the open here. And I'll pick it up after a commercial break. Cassidy wanted a suplex. Dante reversed and connected with one of his own. And we go to commercial break. So, after a long battle for the suplex, another one, Cassidy hit a stun dog millionaire. Dante quickly answered back with a tope out to the floor and a springboard crossbody cross block, a crossbody block uh, for a, a two count back in the ring. Martin took a page from Orange Cassidy and threw some very weak chops and very weak kicks. And then he ate a thrust kick by Orange Cassidy because he was toying around too much. Cassidy then started to give him a little bit more of real kicks in the corner and hit the around-the-world, tilt-a-whirl DDT. Goes for a cover, gets a two-count. Cassidy goes up to the top rope. He was cut off by Dante, who sprung up to the top rope, who was shoved and backflipped off and planted with a diving DDT coming off the top rope by Orange Cassidy. Great spot. Martin then dodged the orange punch and the beach break, countering into a pop-up knee lift, goes for cover and gets a two-count on Orange. Dante tried multiple times to go up top. Orange count uh, continued to roll away like he usually does, getting out of harm's way. So Martin just rope walked and hit a splash, which looked great. 
for a two count. Cassidy's up. He swung out of a full Nelson slam. He goes for a leverage pin. Got it. Two count. He then dodged a shotgun dropkick, connected with an orange punch, knocked Dante out, covered him one, two, three, and that was enough for Orange Cassidy to retain the AEW International Championship. Again, good match. Good open to the show. Exciting open to the show. Crowd loved it. But what does it mean? What does it mean? Orange Cassidy opens up another show. We're going right back to the Orange Train where he opens up Dynamite Weekly. Random matches where he shows up and people want a shot at a title. And he walks in and says, listen, I'll give you a shot at my title. I'll see you on Rampage. Now, we need more than that, man. You hired how many of these guys to be creative consultants for you? This is the extent of their work? I mean... I could sit here and fucking shit out a better story. Give me a break. Post-match, Hook and Denhausen checked on Orange Cassidy. Darius Martin and Action Andretti came out, and they were looking at Dante, helping him up. And Dante shook Orange Cassidy's hand. This was then interrupted by private party... As Mark Quinn is finally back in AEW and Private Party is now back as a tag team. And it looks like they are splitting away from Matt and Jeff Hardy. Which is only a good thing. Because I'll get to that in a second. So... Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn both have microphones who basically say the tag team division is lacking teams, which is a shoot, by the way. I don't know how you guys feel about the tag team division in AEW. They are lacking teams. Seriously. Missing flavor. Again, he's right. And lacking excitement. Cassidy and Quinn got in the ring and put every team in the AEW division on notice. FTR, the Young Bucks, the guys in the ring, and even Matt and Jeff Hardy. Private Party is back in AEW, and they will be in the tag team ranks moving forward. Great stuff. Absolutely fantastic stuff here. Now, why is this fantastic? Because you got a glimpse into what could be if AEW really wants to build its tag team division up again. There were two major, major, major criticisms about AEW television. Not only did we already discuss the championship problem, there were two other major concerns about AEW television. It's women's division, and where the fuck did its tag team division go? For months, I'm asking, where are these tag teams? Where is the company-wide initiative on tag team wrestling? Seriously. You know, we were promised great tag team wrestling throughout AEW. At the start, we were promised great tag team wrestling. Where did that go? Seemingly went away. 
I feel like when Matt and Nick Jackson lost some of their power as EVPs, it really felt like Matt and Nick Jackson were spearheading a tag team division and really wanted to make it a focus. This is when Cody was there and Tony Khan wasn't as powerful as he was now. Everybody had a little bit to say on what was going on. It hasn't been the same since Cody left. The women's division has not been the same since Brandy left. These are just cold, hard, straight-up facts. Facts that we have documented several times on this show. So with this segment alone, we got Private Party, we got the Young Bucks, we got FTR, we got House of Black, we got Top Flight, we got Orange Cassidy and Hook, or if you want to do Danhausen and Hook, six teams right there. Then you got the Acclaimed, then you got Bullet Club, then you got the Undisputed Kingdom. AEW, there are no excuses. There are no excuses. uh, Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Then you got Jericho and Guevara. Then you got Sting and Darby. There is absolutely no fucking excuses why this tag team division feels irrelevant. When I just listed you 11 fucking teams... And I know I'm missing some. Why do the tag team championships feel around? Blackpool Combat Club's another one. Any 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 mention of them? Mox Claudio, Claudio Yuda, Brian Claudio. You should have zero zero excuses. There should be a tag team match or two on Dynamite, on Collision. Nobody gives a fuck about Rampage. Where is this division that we were promised? Why did it go away? Everybody thought the tag team division was going to be even further enhanced with the introduction of trios championships. They've done nothing to enhance the trio's titles. I'm not asking you for a storyline like Sammy and the Bloodline or MJF and the Devil for a trio's championship. The matches, let's be real, are going to be chaotic, but, I mean, don't give away every fucking potential match in the division with its champions, rinse and repeat until we crown new champions, and then we do the cycle and the process all over again. There needs to be some internal struggle. There needs to be some build. I'm not saying AEW's got to follow the WWE model. But if you have the House of Black holding your trios championships, per se, this is just an example you got the House of Black holding your trios championships and they're feuding, which which brings me to another point here. Side note. What happened to the House of Black and Blackpool Combat Club feud that we were supposed to get? Did they seemingly just drop that one? But if you have the House of Black holding your trios championships, 
as an example, and they're feuding with the Blackpool Combat Club over said championships, that doesn't mean we got to rush to the match right away. We can do Brian versus Malachi. We could do Brian versus Buddy. We could do Buddy versus Claudio. We could do Moxley versus Brody. I mean, weeks of television, which eventually leads us to a six-man tag team title match between the two teams at a pay-per-view. That's just the easy way to go about it. Why aren't we getting more of that on television? Why do we just go right to a match? Because it looks good and it sounds good. And that's what the fans want. They want banger matches. Build anticipation. But there's no excuse for this tag team division to be as bad as it is. I mean, some people don't even realize Ricky Starks and Big Bill are your tag team champions. What are we doing? Bring back the rankings. Tony promised us more of a sports presentation for AEW. Bring back the fucking rankings. Have someone give one man or a team of people, give them the job of keeping that shit updated throughout the week, on social media, on Dynamite, on Collision, and give us standings. The last time... Any of these championships meant anything as when we had a visible standing of contenders who battled each other for the right to call themselves number one contender. As soon as the standings went away, all desire to do any championship matches with any meaning went right out the window. Tell me when I'm telling lies. And it all goes back to the discussion of differentiate your fucking titles from one another. Seriously. So, is AEW rebuilding its tag team division? I hope that's the case. I hope they make good on their promise. Renee Young interviewed Tony Storm. It was in black and white. She was taken aback by being in New Jersey instead of New York. She said she's heading to Broadway. Renee asked if she'll watch Mariah May's match later. And she's been practically begging her to watch her wrestle. Storm then laughed and says, Ha ha, I don't watch wrestling. It's pretty much an uh, inside dig at all the marks out there. No, they don't like you. Storm said Mariah May is going to pay her dues. And what better place to do that than in New Jersey? She threw a shoe, she popped her tits out, not really, and then she left. We got a House of Black vignette. Malachi said they accept the challenge from FTR, but they want to beat them in front of their family in North Carolina. He says they will find out if their family truly, truly loves them. So uh, I'm guessing that's where Collision is on Saturday. And that's where the match is taking place on Saturday. I don't know why this match didn't take place at the Nassau Coliseum on Saturday this past weekend. Sounds like a pay-per-view match to me. 
could have easily taken off one or three matches. I mean, Swerve and Dustin could have easily been replaced by this at World's End, but I'm not the booker. I don't book this shit. Renee interviewed Swerve Strickland and Prince Nana. Nana wondered if Garcia comprehends who he's getting in the ring with. Swerve says he's getting the match because he respects that Garcia is aiming for championship gold. He said Garcia says he won't fold under pressure, but unfortunately, Garcia will have to go through the pain. So he wants to accomplish in 2024 something he did not in 2023. Said he thought it'd be MJF, but his body couldn't take it anymore. So it'll be Samoa Joe he's going after. He told him to be ready. Nana then looked into the camera and then said, Whose house? Smiled, laughed, and walked away. Do we get that match at Revolution? I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see who Tony Khan lines up as Samoa Joe's first challenge for the world championship. Mariah May. Debut match here in New Jersey against Queen Aminata. I'm not familiar with Aminata. Apparently, she is a New Jersey native, I believe. That's why she's in this match. Mariah May, I said this in the open, and I know some geek will take it out of context. How could you? She's better than Tiffany Stratton. Tony Khan basically has his own Tiffany Stratton in Mariah May. You legitimately can't tell the difference. You can't. Same ring attire, blonde, beautiful, buxom, right? It's basically Tiffany Stratton in AEW is Mariah May. Now, I don't give a shit who's better. Mariah May was very good tonight. I look forward to seeing more of her. And Tiffany Stratton is a breakout star and will be on the level of a Charlotte Flair when the time comes. And Tiffany's only been doing this for two and a half years and she's already this good. Again. Six minutes. There was a commercial break in the middle of this, which, I mean, I don't know. Listen, you know, you set this woman up for a debut and then half of it takes place in a fucking commercial. You hype up this big debut. And of, out of all the times you want to take a commercial, 70% of her match is in a fucking commercial. Why? Mariah May took out Aminata with a slap, some chops, and a tilt-a-whirl head-scissor takedown. So she then charged in with a drop kick, connected. Queen Aminata was trapped in the ropes and drop kicked in the back. And we go to a picture-and-picture commercial break. Aminata avoided a corner head scissors and got back into the match where she slapped Mariah right in the face. Snap neckmare, punt kick to the spine, and then connected with a running knee, followed up with multiple elbows in the corner. Aminata went for another elbow, 
But Mariah exploded out of the corner with a nice-looking sling blade. Mariah then hit a fireman's carry slam, which she calls Mayday for the one, two, three. They kept it short. They kept it sweet. They brought in a indie darling for her to beat. No harm, no foul. Decent performance by Mariah May. I'm looking forward to seeing more. I, all I hear is, oh, she's great. Oh, she was in stardom. Oh, she's learned a lot. Oh, she's this. Oh, she's that. Okay, it was a decent showing. I'm going to need to see more. Going to need to see more. Clearly, the story is that she's Tony Storm's understudy here. And she's looking for Tony's approval. Right now, Tony doesn't even know she exists. So we'll see how that all plays out. Renee is in the ring with Mariah who she's going to interview here after her debut win. Mariah basically said she's wanted to be a pro wrestler ever since she was little. And I won my AEW debut, but unfortunately I had to do it in New Jersey. All of a sudden, after she says, I hope that Tony is watching And in the new year, it's all about Mariah. The only regret, like I said, is that it all had to happen in New Jersey. Soon as she said that, Deanna Perrazzo shows up. Name on the big screen. Theme music goes off. Very nice reaction for Deanna Perrazzo. She walks down the aisle. The virtuosa comes to the ring. Perrazzo is in the ring. She's got some promo time here with Renee. She said, if Tony doesn't want to be here, then they don't want her here either. Perrazzo told Mariah May to send a message to Tony Storm with that I will find her and I am all elite. And now that I'm all elite, this is the age of the virtuosa. Mariah May said, listen, I'm not the messenger, so go tell Tony Storm yourself, bitch. At that point, Deanna slapped Mariah May. She then booted her on the face and then sent her on her way out. Now... A couple of things here in regards to Mariah May winning her debut. She won the debut. But I don't know how you guys felt about Mariah May being upstaged here. I get that they wanted to kind of segue into Deanna Perrazzo targeting Tony Storm. And they wanted Deanna to go through Mariah. But Mariah just won her debut match. This was a big deal. Tony's very high on her. And then she gets upstaged and booted out of the ring. And now she's an afterthought because AEW made Deanna Perrazzo all elite. I don't want to sit here and tell you Mariah May is buried, but that's not really a satisfactory way to go about debuting somebody by winning a match and then get booted in the face because the hometown girl is now all elite. Okay. Maybe should have focused on Mariah and making Mariah a big deal and then maybe not having Deanna do what she did. Just my opinion. 
Now, Deanna Perrazzo. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Deanna is a game changer. Not going to sit here and tell you that the women's division is going to be drastically changed overnight. This is all a work in progress. It's all a work in progress. AEW has a great core of women. They do. And I'm going to pull up my tweet because I did tweet about it. And I feel like I'm spot on here. Honestly. Now, if we look at AEW's women's division, there there were rumors going around this evening, earlier this afternoon, that Deanna Perrazzo may be debuting tonight because it's in New Jersey and she's from New Jersey. There were also people saying that we could see Mercedes Monet and Deanna Perrazzo debut on the same show. I don't know what good that would have did, but I think Tony Khan is best not to bust his load all on the same night. If we look at the core group of women right now that AEW is pushing on TV, we got Julia Hart, who is a breakout star, doing some great work. Sky Blue, doing great work. Both ladies are getting better week over week over week. And it shows. Chris Statlander. We all want Stat to get a bigger role on television. A little bit more priority, a little bit more of an importance. Then we got Thunder Rosa coming back. These women are going to be focused on a lot. They got a nice core nucleus of talent that they can easily build around. If you take what AEW has done and look at the women that they have put effort and time into, and you add those names that I just mentioned, look at this women's division. Tony Storm, Deanna Perrazzo, Mercedes Monet, Thunder Rosa, Hikaru Shida, Julia Hart, Sky Blue, Serena Deeb, who's not back on television yet. Jamie Hayter, who's coming back imminently. Red Velvet, Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho, Willow Nightingale, Athena, Barrett, Baker. And you mean to tell me with those names that AEW doesn't have maybe the best, Mariah May, you mean to tell me that AEW doesn't have the best women's division in all of North America? Now, I don't trust Tony Khan and creative to do right with the women at all. Soraya. I left out Soraya. People were having a fucking heart attack. Oh, how could you leave out Soraya? Soraya has no impact on anything that's going on right now. Nothing. She wrestles once or twice a year. Sparingly used. These are the women that are going to put in work. Soraya's role and her importance is not in the ring. It's what she's going to teach everybody else. Or a mouthpiece. A leader of a group. AEW's got one hell of a women's division. Do I trust Tony Khan to do the right thing? Do I trust his team to do the right thing? No. I mean, we still got one women's segment on the entire fucking show for two hours. People are calling for women's tag team titles. No. People are calling for a women's continental classic. 
I mean, it's going to be difficult when you got a men's continental classic already in yearly rotation. Not going to have two continental classics. Not. This is not WWE. Everything the men get, the women don't have to get. Why do we need two continental classics? Stop asking me. No. I think it's a terrible idea. I don't trust AEW with the amount of talent that they have. Again, no excuses for why the division is this poor. If AEW does land Mercedes, that is a game changer. The whole game is changed. Mix that with everybody else here. Again, we're going to need more than one woman segment on a dynamite. We're going to need more of an importance on the women's championship. We're going to need competitive matches with story to build around for that title. Is AEW setting itself up to correct a major wrong in 2024? I don't know. But if they land Mercedes and bring her in on top of all these names, I don't see how you have a division that is booked that poorly. It's not the women's fault. I'll tell you that right now. It's the people who are wearing the suits and ties who are pushing the fucking pens and pencils in the creative boardroom. Take it up with them. I'd like to think that Tony is trying to correct his wrongs, but after what we've seen for four years, I don't really have a lot of faith in TK. Christian Cage. Christian is out there with a State of the Union address after he screwed over Adam Copeland to win back the TNT title after he lost it at World's End. So we got Christian, Nick Wayne, Shayna Wayne, and Killswitch out there. Shivani's in the ring. He's interviewing the patriarchy. He brought up Christian winning his second TNT title at World's End. Shayna took issue with the fans booing her. She demanded they get on their feet and pay respect to the greatest TNT champion who has ever lived. Christian said his second TNT title reign has been one historic run already. Shivani obviously didn't agree, and Christian said he'd ordered Shayna to punish him if he didn't stay quiet. Now, I'm going to have to ask for a lifeline here, like I'm playing uh, whose line is it anyway, or is that who wants to be a millionaire? I I mean, let me ask Jesse. Jesse, is it a bad thing to be punished by Shayna Wayne? I'm going to need some serious, serious input on that question. I mean, Christian made it sound like a bad thing. Anyway, he thanks Shayna for being so loving and nurturing. He said, a mother's work is never done. He then thanked Nick Wayne for selflessly putting himself on the line, his body on the line. He said, Adam Colpin tried to put him through a burning table and end his career at the, edge, at the age of 18. Christian told Nick he loved him. He said, lastly, he wanted to thank the man who sealed the victory at World's End. 
Killswitch was ready to accept. He was standing proud behind Christian Cage, and Christian said, I would like to thank myself. And the announcers also said, well, he should be really thanking Killswitch. Fans then started to chant Luchasaurus. Loud Luchasaurus chants. You can see where this is headed. Christian said it's his duty to address Colpin for what I hope is the final time. So it's back of the line for him. So Colpin grew up without a father. His mother is dead. And now he has to look in the mirror and accept that he proved that he, Christian, is superior to Adam Copeland. So they dragged each other through the mud. Said one of them doesn't have a soul, and that's why he stands before them as the TNT champion. He said he'll hold the title until he passes it down to Nick Wayne. Christian is amazing. I remember when we all shit on Tony Khan's major announcement, Christian Cage is coming in. It ended up being Christian, and we were all kind of disappointed. I will go out there and say, and I mean this genuinely, you guys can sit there and maybe not agree with me. If you want to talk about the CM Punk's Will Ospreay's potentially Mercedes, which hasn't happened yet, but is rumored to be happening. If you want to go out there and tell me Christian Cage is the best signing that AEW has had in all five years so far, right at the top, number one, I would not disagree with you. He has done such a good job that I would put him in discussion for wrestler of the year in any promotion. He's better now in ring than he ever was. At the age of 49, 48, 49, however old he is, he is better now than he ever was in his entire career. And Christian, not Tony Khan, Christian made all of us look like geeks. I don't know where he came up with the idea to do the patriarchy and be this vile, evil, sniveling son of a bitch, but some of the best character work all year. Easy. Now, with Luchasaurus, fans chant the Luchasaurus. Obviously, Christian heard the chants. He tried to dumb down the chants. He told people to shut up. Luchasaurus is being brainwashed. Luchasaurus knows he's getting fucked big time here. He got screwed by Christian. He got no praise. He got no thanks. He was a selfless dinosaur. Did what he did for his father. And whatever the secret is that Christian continues to hold over Luchasaurus, I don't know if that will eventually be revealed, but I think it should. Whatever Christian has hanging over Luchasaurus's head, needs to be revealed in story. Because it's driving him to a point where he knows he's being wronged, and when the time comes in that 11th hour when Christian needs Luchasaurus again to bail him out, everything that Adam Culpin told Christian Cage weeks ago 
You're going to get to a point where you will have no family left. Luchasaurus will turn his back on Christian Cage. Nick Wayne and Shayna Wayne will move on and free themselves from this poison. And Christian will be all alone. We'll get one more match. It'll happen at Revolution on March 3rd. And Christian will lose the championship to Adam Copeland. Where they go into the next chapter of the story, I don't know. But that's the great thing about it. I thought what they did on Saturday night with Luchasaurus winning the Battle Royal, cashing in the contract for the title shot, and then giving it right back to Christian, it was a nice, drama-filled match. That's the type of shit I like, man. Unpredictability. Craziness. A little dash, a little dose of craziness. I thought they did a great job on Saturday. Great match. Probably the match of the night. Love the angle at the end. AEW's riding this story, and they're going into revolution hot. I like it. Ruby Soho was interviewed by Renee, the hardest woman in the industry. Hardest working woman in the industry. Renee interviewed Ruby Soho, Harley, Cameron, and Soraya backstage. Ruby said having another blonde who's out of her mind didn't work well for them last time, but she's appreciated Harley Cameron's help. Soraya told Cameron not to make it too obvious. Renee then asked, what, what is going on here? And Soraya did not divulge any information. I guess a story is a story here. I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't care. It gets Soraya some TV time. It is what it is. Darby Allen and Konosuke Takeshita. I didn't really expect this match to take place, but my God, man, this was a, a pay-per-view level fucking banger on Dynamite. Darby Allen scares the fucking ever-living shit out of me every time he's in the ring, but I could watch these guys wrestle every single fucking week. Every week. I could watch Konosuke wrestle every single week. Now you know, for everybody that's wondering, well, why does, why, why does JD and Jesse and everybody else want Konosuke Takeshita on television? This is the type of performance, this is the type of match... This is the explanation that we, we are giving to you guys who ask these stupid questions. This was the match that expressed to everybody now why we want Konosuke Takeshita on television. This match. This was a pay-per-view level match. Great. Easily the match of the night. Don Callis is on commentary. Takeshita at this point is just ragdolling Darby Allen right out of the gate. Both men dodged corner charges until a head scissors into a wild overhead German saw Darby land on his feet and stare down Konosuke. Then we get a massive back body drop from Konosuke, and that was answered by an arm drag that sent Takeshita out to the floor. Allen then dove through the bottom rope with his cannonball-like dive. And Konosuke jumped and hit a jumping knee that sounded and looked devastating. Caught Darby in midair, coming through the ropes with that suicide dive. Then he drags Darby Allen up the ramp 
and does Chad Gable's fucking German suplex, the chaos theory. He delivers a chaos theory on the goddamn ramp. He's rolling down the ramp, getting momentum like he's a snowball coming down a fucking mountain. Conveniently, Darby's getting ready to climb Mount Everest. Rolling German suplex on the goddamn ramp. And Darby, all you hear is his body splat on the ramp. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Takeshita, he's in the ring now. We go to picture in picture. He wanted an avalanche move off the top rope. Darby countered into an over-the-top cutter and a running somersault tope out to the floor. Then we go back inside. Allen wanted a code red. But Takeshita countered into a big move, gets a two count. Allen rolled to the floor and dodged a charging knee. Takeshita lowered his knee pad and charged, colliding with the barricade. Part of the barricade, the top of the barricade, actually came off his hinges. He hit so hard. Takeshita clutched his knee. Don Callis was on commentary, takes some of the white sheets of paper that they got their notes on. He starts fanning Takeshita on the outside. Allen flew in off the top rope as Takeshita gets to his feet, off the top rope with a coffin drop, right out to the floor on the outside. Takeshita broke the count, gets in at like a nine, and then he rolled right into a code red. Beautiful looking code red for two. Darby wanted a coffin drop. Takeshita got the knees up. Multiple overhead Germans connected. Allen caught a flash cradle out of nowhere for a two count. He ran right into a lariat. He got turned inside out. And Don Callis was calling for a halluva kick. He went out and did this. So he went for a halluva kick, connected. And then he goes up top and he delivers an avalanche German suplex off the top rope. I think at this point, I was honestly afraid for Darby's career. Seriously. He was banging around in there like nothing happened. So Takeshita hit a big power knee, and it was a V-trigger, running V-trigger, and Allen was just sitting there asking for it. He didn't even move out of the way. Big V-trigger, one, two, three, and Kanosuke Takeshita wins. Impressive over Darby Allen. I don't know what we're doing with Konosuke. But if I had my way, this man would be on TV regularly, semi-regularly, not every week. This is the type of performance that's going to ask or tell people, I want to see more Konosuke Takeshita. I don't know what we're doing in 2024. I don't. But if this man is not international champion by the end of the year, something is horrifically wrong with the creative in this company. That title is tailor-made for someone like him, as long as he can stay healthy. What are we doing? Konosuke needs to be on television. Point blank, period. Seriously. Darby Allen, I don't know where they're going with Darby. Apparently him and Sting rumored, the speculation is rumored 
to be in the main event, obviously, at Revolution, possibly for the tag team titles. But we are going to maybe get a little glimpse of that next week because it was right after this match where Renee Paquette, who, again, the hardest-working woman in the industry here, approached Don Callis and the Don Callis family celebrating Kanosuke's victory. Now, Kanosuke was speaking in Japanese, and Callis said next week when AEW visits Jacksonville and Daly's place where it all started, they are challenging the 25-0 Sting to a tag team match with Darby to take on Takeshita and Powerhouse Hobbs. That way... When next week is over, Sting will be 25-1. and one. Now, you can easily tell who's taking the pin in that match, and it's not Takeshita, it's not Sting, and it's not Darby. Sting will retire undefeated in AEW. That's my prediction. Poor Will Hobbs. It's going to take a pinfall loss, but what this really does, again, is it plants a seed... For the Don Callis family to get involved with Sting and Darby, they will lose, they will be out of contention, and Jericho and Guevara will beat Starks and Big Bill at some point. They will become the tag team champions, and my prediction is when Jericho and Guevara win the tag team titles, they'll put those titles on the line against Sting and Darby Allen in the main event of Revolution. At that point, Sting and Darby will win the tag team titles. Sting will retire. He will then vacate the titles. He will go out as a champion. And with all the teams that I just mentioned to you, our first major tournament, because TK loves his tournaments, will be for the tag team titles. And maybe then we will finally kickstart the tag team division the way that it used to be. Just my prediction. That's happening next week. Fatal four-way. Trent Beretta. Brian Cage. El Ijo. Del Vikingo. Brian Keith. Fatal four-way for a shot at the Continental title and Eddie Kingston on AEW Collision. Now, this match pissed me the fuck off before the bell even rung. It pissed me the fuck off, big time. The reason why it pissed me off is because I just got done ranting earlier in the night about about how AEW needs to differentiate their titles from one another. The international championship, the TBS title, the tag team titles, the trios titles, the continental title, the women's title, everything but the AEW world and TNT titles. Every title feels unimportant. And with the last seven or eight weeks or so of television where we got a tremendous piece of business called the Continental Classic, Eddie Kingston won a tremendous tournament. 
He's a triple crown champion. And he's the first ever AEW Continental Champion. I said it then, and I'm going to reiterate it for you guys now. The Continental title should be slotted right underneath the AEW world title as far as importance in the company. This title should be what the Intercontinental Championship is to WWE. Point blank, period. Can someone please explain to me within AEW how Trent Beretta, Brian Cage, Vikingo, and Brian Keith, can someone tell me how any of these four men have anything to do with Eddie Kingston and the Continental Championship? What did any of these men do? to get a championship match against Eddie Kingston, or even even get into the discussion of being in a championship match against Eddie Kingston, who just won the title on Saturday against John Moxley. I got geeks out there telling me, oh, well, Trent Beretta was the runner-up in the Battle Royal on Saturday on the pre-show at world's end. Oh, I'm sorry. The battle royal for the TNT title. Oh, yeah, that battle royal. Nice try, though. You're an idiot, but nice try. Oh, but... Brian Cage. He's a, he's a ring of honor. Six-man champion. Oh, yeah? You mean Brian Cage who holds the Ring of Honor six-man tag team championships? The brand that may be what? 12 people watch weekly. Oh, that Brian Cage. Thanks, but no thanks. You're a fucking idiot. Brian Keith. Brian Keith. Oh, well, he... he he had a great match. He had a great match on collision. That's great. I mean, how long has Brian Keith been here? I mean, Brian Keith hasn't even finished half a cup of fucking coffee yet. It's great. Who did he wrestle on collision, by the way? Did he wrestle Orange Cassidy for the international title? It's not the Continental title, right? Then we got Vikingo. Then we got Vikingo. This is the this, this is the kicker, man. This is the hilarious one. Oh well, uh, the Kingo he uh, he racks up wins on Rampage. Really, Rampage? You mean the show that Tony Khan has deemed? One hour of dream matches that he just randomly puts on television with no rhyme or reason. Oh, the wins and losses reset at the beginning of the year. You mean the wins and losses that AEW has conveniently not followed for the last two years? Stop making excuses. 
Stop. If Jesse was here, he'd be saying the same fucking thing. And I'm not the only one that feels this way. Here's another one. Oh, well, the, the Kingo is, he's the, uh, what is he? The, uh, CMLL fucking Lucha Libre world, world champion. Nobody gives a shit about Vikingo and his world title. You want to go watch Lucha Libre, CMLL, AAA, whatever the fucking champ he is. Who gives a shit? I don't. Do you want to know why? Because he's not on weekly television. I don't give a shit what champion he is. Is he a champion in America? No, he's not. What business does he have? The AAA mega champ. Who fucking cares? What business does he have wrestling Eddie Kingston for the Continental Championship? Zero. Zero business. People came to me with excuse after excuse after excuse. People calling me out. Oh, JD hates Mexicans. Why? Because I said Vikingo doesn't deserve a championship match for a new championship that we just crowned a new champion for fucking three days ago. And you want to know what the big glaring problem in AEW is? The Continental Championship is just another fucking title for Tony Khan to have wet dreams about because he loves creating new titles and everybody's got to have a title. You know, what you do here, what Tony Khan realistically does here is the Continental Championship is already deemed irrelevant. None of these men have any business being near the World Championship or the, the Continental Championship. None. You've already given off the perception that the Continental title is just like the international title, just like the TBS title, just like the trios titles, just like every other fucking title. Open challenges. Tony Khan wakes up, scratches his nuts. He goes down to the kitchen. He makes himself a cup of espresso and says, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to put four random nobodies in a fucking fatal four-way and make this new title irrelevant on day one. It's exactly what he did. Meanwhile, you know what I said on Sunday? You know what Jesse said on Sunday? Didn't you have a mega eight-man tag team match? On Saturday night, right? The losers, eight-man tag. All the losers, all the geeks who didn't win the Continental Classic, who won that match? Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, Daniel Garcia, and whoever else was a part of that fucking match. Jay White, who, who was a part of the match? Mark Briscoe. Mark Briscoe, Daniel Garcia, Brian Danielson... And Claudio. Do you know what you should have did, TK? Here's a fucking kicker, man. I, I want to see I want to see if Will Washington, everybody raves about Will Washington. I want to see him come up with this one, man. I talked about this on Saturday with Jesse. 
Why didn't that match have any meaning or stakes on the line? Zero. Zero was on the line. Momentum, pal, was on the line. Momentum for four losers who won nothing in the Continental Classic. You know what you could have did? You could have took those four guys instead of putting Daniel Garcia in the fucking main event against Swerve, who right now should be above everybody else. Those four guys should have been in this fatal four-way, and those four guys should have been competing for the shot to wrestle Eddie Kingston on Saturday. They won that match. Hey, man, if we win this match, we get added to a fatal four-way to crown a number one contender right out of the gate for the inaugural continental title. No, but instead I get Vikingo. I get Trent Beretta. And two Ring of Honor guys, which maybe one of eight people give a fuck about. Tell me when I am telling lies. Here's a spoiler, folks. You can't. I dare anybody to come to me anywhere and refute anything I said here. One of their biggest glaring issues is titles all feeling the same. Feeling irrelevant, feeling unimportant. Can't differentiate this one from that one and that one from this one. What good does... Trent Beretta, dude, for the Continental title. There's no story. Trent Beretta won nothing. He doesn't deserve a shot. Vikingo doesn't deserve a shot. Brian Cage doesn't deserve a shot. And Brian Keith. Brian Keith, give me a fucking break. I'm not saying WWE is better. They're guilty of the same fucking thing. But Jesus Christ, man, if you wanted to really make a splash, why didn't you do what we recommended you do on sun, on Sunday afternoon with that match on Saturday night? How great would it have been for Daniel Garcia or Mark Briscoe to win that fatal four-way match and get a shot at Eddie Kingston and the Continental Classic? Would have been a really great make-do or make-good for them in the tournament. How great would it have been for either one of those guys to win? Nobody's beating Eddie right now. But yet we're looking at Trent Beretta and Eddie Kingston instead of a Mark Briscoe versus Eddie Kingston or a Daniel Garcia versus Eddie Kingston. There are so many AEW apologists and elitists out there that when I put something out there, I get combated with J.D. hates Mexicans. J.D.'s a racist. J.D.'s a a fucking piece of shit. I mean, I'm here trying to educate you all on what the fuck is wrong with the company and nobody is smart enough to realize that what you're watching is fucking garbage. I hated this match. The match meant jack shit to me for this very reason. And because of that reason, I'm not covering it. I'm not talking about it. I don't give a fuck who won it. Because whoever won this match, A, doesn't deserve it, and B, is not beating Eddie Kingston. 
Maybe next time Tony Khan will listen to the fucking people who genuinely care about his promotion instead of fucking some geek on the creative team that clearly is a fucking idiot. Adam Page. Renee Paquette is backstage with Daddy Magic. He'll be on commentary for the main event against Swerve and Daniel Garcia. Adam Page walked in and he had his bags. He's just getting to the arena now. Page says he's there to beat someone's ass. And if it can't be Samoa Joe, it'll be Adam Cole. If it can't be Adam Cole, it'll be anyone. He storms off. He arrived with 15 minutes left in the show. Really not a lot of time to find someone to kick their ass, but Swerve is more than likely the uh, probable ass-kicking here tonight. Main event, Swerve Strickland and Daniel Garcia in the main events. This was a great main event. Swerve is just at the top of his game. Daniel Garcia. I am not a big Daniel Garcia guy. I was never a big Daniel Garcia guy. The whole sports entertainer shtick is it's funny. His dance is great. Fans love it. But I'm still not a big Daniel Garcia guy. But I'm seeing the growth. I'm seeing the Daniel Garcia that we see now shed away that gimmick. And he's becoming the Daniel Garcia that we all heard about. How great he is. How great he's going to be. I like this seriousness, man. Comes out there, no frills. Just go out there and fucking kick someone's ass. That's why he should be in the Blackpool Combat Club, to be quite honest with you. But this was an excellent main event. Even in defeat, I know he's taken a lot of L's lately, but even in defeat, he looked excellent against Swerve. Excellent. So, right out of the gate, Strickland got an early takedown. And Garcia dared him to go to the mat. This resulted in Garcia getting an upper hand, obviously, because he's a submission specialist. So we go out to the floor. Garcia sent Swerve crashing into the barricade. Nana got in Garcia's face, and we were given the best moment of the night. Nana and Garcia in a dance-off. So Nana is doing the fucking dance, swerving while he drives. Garcia is doing his dance. Crowd loving it. Uh, Nana is continuing the dance. He goes from one transition to the next. And Garcia goes again to do his dance. But from behind, Swerve put a stop to it and threw Garcia into the ring apron. Swerve took the ref and Nana distracted Garcia long enough for Strickland to hit a pump kick. Death Valley driver right on the edge of the ring. We go to a commercial break. So Swerve was in control. During the break, he turned Garcia inside out with a pump kick. Strickland that was mocking Garcia's dancing, only for Garcia to come back, who started to basically come back to life here. Punches, running corner knee, shotgun drop kick, Saito suplex, goes for recovery, gets a two count. Swerve responded with a leg-trapped backbreaker and a spinning sit-out reverse DDT. Goes for recovery, gets a two of his own. Strickland got in the face of Matt Menard on commentary. Garcia came from behind. Strickland clearing off the announce table. Tried for a dragon tamer, but both men fell off the table. Back in the ring, Garcia had a superplex. Strickland 
held on, hit a suplex for the double down. Garcia escaped a waist lock, big knee to the face. Swerve came back with a rolling flatliner. House call, two count, off a pin. Swerve then connected on the swerve stomp. Garcia managed to kick out. Swerve couldn't believe it. Garcia got a desperation roll up, two count. Swerve got up, another house call, a devastating JML driver, and Swerve gets the victory. Post-match, Swerve went to shake Garcia's hand, but Nana comes from behind and hits a low blow. Matt Menard hit the ring to defend his friend. He suffered the same fate as Nana was about to say to Swerve that he's going to be the next world champion on the microphone. Adam Page's music hit. He comes out for a face-off. Swerve and Adam Page get into a slugfest. Security and officials ran to the ring to separate the two with each guy breaking free to end the show. We got all of January and all of February for Swerve and Adam Page to take place. By the looks of it, it looks like Swerve and Adam Page is not going to wait till Revolution. They're not waiting eight weeks for Revolution. We'll probably get this match. There'll be at least a month of build. We'll get this match on a, on a big dynamite. I don't know if it'll be a stipulation. I mean, it, it's going to be weird. They had a regular match. Then they had a Texas death match, which could realistically use it as the, as the blow off. You can't go from a Texas death match to a regular match. You can't do it. So there's going to be some sort of stipulation. Cage. Barbed wire. Who the fuck knows what these guys are going to do? Exploding barbed wire death match. I have no idea what they're going to do. It's got to be something crazy. Swerve will beat Page again. Go up 3-0. And then in the last month, right before we start building towards revolution, we will get Swerve and Samoa Joe for the world championship. I don't know what will happen then. I don't know if they will crown Swerve then. I don't know. But that's what it looks like AEW is setting itself up for. I thought they did a tremendous job tonight. I thought Dynamite was a great show. Outside of the Mariah May looking weak after the Deanna debut, and outside of the absolutely mind-numbingly fucking stupid Continental Championship number one contender match with four nobodies. And I think Brian Cage is great. Give me a break. I think Vikingo is great. Give me a break. I praise Brian Keith. Give me a break. Outside that, I thought tonight was a great show. Thank you guys very much for all of your supports. It's been tremendous the last couple of days, man. We are rocking and rolling right here on OTS. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. On Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We are just about halfway there to 152 thousand subscribers thank you guys very much for all the support go and check out all the other videos on the channel they are on the homepage right now live from monday night raw day one 
Drew and I were live for TNT episode 28 last night. Tremendous discussion. We even did the first ever TNT fan voted awards. Which degenerates and virgins alike on social media were claiming that I'm a WWE shill because most of the winners were WWE. I didn't vote. I didn't vote in my own awards. My fucking community voted. And my community, believe it or not, are primed, ready, and fucking intelligent. We like and want good pro wrestling. We know what's good. We know what's bad. If there's one community here that knows its shit, it's this community. Get those super chats in. Please continue to hit that thumbs up. We got 813 likes. Let's try for 1,000 right here tonight. Tonight sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is your way to long-term booking. It is basically the pen and paper for your long-term booking in the bedroom. Don't be Bruce. Don't. Nobody wants to be a Bruce Pritchard. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead. Be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is very simple. You're going to sign up at BlueChew.com. You're going to consult with one of their online medical providers, and once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. No questions asked. No waiting in line at the pharmacy, no awkward conversations, no doctor's office. They are made in the USA, prepared and shipped direct to you in a very discreet package. So if you guys are looking for that extra confidence when it counts, when it matters most, why not give Blue Chew a try? BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. And hand. Who was first in the venue tonight, man? Michael Krause. Michael Krause with a $2 super chat. What's up? From Walla. Hope your day went well, bro. Michael, thank you, brother. It was a long day. But I'm here. And we did it. Cameron Battle with a 499 and a 499. Hey JD, any insight on the Warner Brothers Discovery and WWE Raw? No. I don't. I got word that uh, a deal is imminent. And I heard it could be around the holidays, which the holidays have come and gone. Uh, I I I think I think it'll be this month. It, it's going to be imminently. Also, Sean Ross sat that said that Warner Brothers Discovery signing Raw would get messy, so he doesn't think, which is crazy. I mean, we don't know, man. We don't know. We're just gonna have to wait and see. Michelle Moran with a five dollar super chat. I feel Sting and Darby will defeat Konosuke and Hobbs next week since Darby job tonight. Wardlow. Forfeit the belt to Cole means he will betray Cole. Platinum Matt with a two months. No Mercedes Monet, but I strongly believe she's AEW bound. Also, what's the deal with Alex Abrahantes? Is he the hype man 
for all of the luchadors. Yes. He is. I have no problem with Alex. Anybody would kill to be in Alex's shoes. Shane Brown with a 12 months in the venue. Hey, JD, always proud to be a part of the OTS family. The best and only channel that matters. Happy New Year, brother. It's going to be a big year. OTS for life. It is going to be a big year, Shane Brown. Appreciate you very much, man. Raging Girl Gamer with a 39-month membership. No troll shit. Just want to wish everyone a great new year this year. Hope Jesse's doing good. Also, JD, wish you a great year as well. Thank you, Rage. We love you. Hopefully, you had a great holiday season. Billy Sizan with a $100 Super Chat. Jason Barker with a $100 Super Chat. And Thomas Franco with a $100 in Super Chat. Gentlemen, the fuck are you guys drinking? Delightful Entertainment. 199. Just want Sky Blue to ruin my life. TK cooked tonight. Sky Blue is a beautiful lady. That's all I'll say. Chemo, the therapist with a $5 super chat. I'm really disappointed people are taking Deanna Perrazzo for granted. Whether you know her or not, Mercedes is dividing the wrestling community. Bro, these people are irrelevant as irrelevant can be. I don't know why people listen to these fucking half-witted troll accounts with some fucking weird profile picture of a pro wrestler nobody's even heard of before. Who gives a shit? If you find Deanna to have, or if you find Deanna joining AEW to be a problem... You're a fucking idiot. Stop. Nobody is Mercedes. Nobody. Sarit Mohanty with nine months. WWE should rent Tom Phillips from TNA and replace Kevin Patrick on SmackDown amidst the partnership rumors in case they're not able to land Moro Ranallo. Tom Phillips is a great play-by-play man. I miss Tom Phillips. I don't know. Listen, I, you know, Tom Phillips got fired for uh, inappropriate behavior. Yet everybody wants to chastise Patrick Clark. Not saying Patrick Clark should get a second chance, but if WWE wanted to give him a second chance, then that's good enough for me. I think everybody deserves a second chance. Tom Phillips is great. And Mike Johnson has debunked the rumors. Apparently, there is no partnership between WWE and AEW uh, and uh, WWE and Impact. There'll be ne- there'll never be a partnership between WWE and AEW ever, ever, never gonna happen. Yuri Lover with a five dollars super chat. Red Skies is the perfect song for me, based on what I've been feeling last month. I've been healing the past few days. Thank you, JD OTS. Too sweet me. Yuri Lover, thank you. D Bastardo with a $5 Super Chat. Hey, fellas, I was there tonight. Crowd was good. So Punk is looking for his main event at WrestleMania, and The Rock comes back again. That's hilarious. 
Rock and Roman at the chamber is where it should be. Do not ruin your creative because this match all of a sudden has now presented itself. It'll be just as big of a deal if it happens at the chamber as it would at WrestleMania. It's The Rock. It'll be all over the place. Joseph Taylor with a $10 super chat. I would love to see WrestleMania 41 at either Fenway Park, Yankee Stadium, or Truist Park. Canos get to Keshta and Swerve Strickland, our future international and world champions. Uh, Joseph, WrestleMania 41 would never take place in any of those stadiums. Asato Fortune with a $5 Super Chat. For Triple H announcement tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised if WrestleMania 41 is outside the U.S. trying to copy AEW's Wembley event. Rock on, J.D. Jacob Smiling with 17 months. Will you be in Greensboro for Revolution, J.D.? It would be great to see you at a meet and greet before the show. Love your work. You're the man. Uh, Jacob, I will keep you updated on that. House of Glory may be running that weekend in Greensboro. I will let you guys know. Uh, Bryce with a 999. Not going to lie. I was sold on May as soon as she hit that God-perfect dropkick. Besides that, I hope TK does more with PP and gives them a private party and gives them a proper push for the tag team title since they're long overdue for one. Private Party needs to earn their way towards the tag team titles, man. They are uh, just getting back together after a a, a very mid-five years in AEW. Uh, El Mase with a $20 super chat. With the success of Revolution and Sting's retirement, do you think TK will give Goldberg the retirement tour that he claims Vince owes him? I hope not, but but no doubt it will sell a ton of tickets. Uh, I could see it happening, but I heard Bill Goldberg is asking for one hell of a price tag. Barry Allen with a $2 Super Chat. JD, WWE are editing Sasha Banks' profile back. Jason Barker also says with a $5 Super Chat, Sasha Banks' profile has been updated on the WWE website. Here we go. Here we go. MGM balling with a $4.99. What if Jack Perry comes back to help kill Switch? Well, double crosses him and ends up joining the patriarchy. I know he beat Christian, but still. Uh, I could see that. I could see that. Jack Perry doesn't really fit anywhere, so maybe getting the Jurassic Express back together or a new team, some new era. Luchasaurus and Jack Perry as a tag team, I think that would be great. Especially if they build up the tag team division. Um... Stick World Mayor with 25 months. Love to all my fellow VIPs and JD. JD, I come here for the truth unfiltered. You have never in my 28 months not delivered. OTS for life. Hashtag suck it geeks. Thank you, Stick World. Uh, I appreciate that, man. It means a lot. Phil. Phil with a 999. That is how you restore the feeling back to AEW. This dynamite felt more different than any other dynamite we had all last year. 
Cole's message was beautiful. Swerve Hangman 3, give it to me. OTS for life. Thank you, Phil. Yes, that Cole promo was perfect. Absolutely accomplished everything that he needed to. Dom Wapo with a 199. Get Mother Wayne off my TV. Is she all elite too? Hey, 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 hey. I will not have any slander against Shayna Wayne. Okay? Mike, 43 with 20 months. Tonight felt like new beginnings. Just like a tag team division restart. I hope. I hope. And delightful entertainment with a 199. I hope Renee gets paid more than half the roster. Well, she definitely works for her paycheck. Anyway, guys, that is all I got for you. If you enjoyed today's stream, I really appreciate if you hit that thumbs up, hit that subscribe button down below, turn on the bell for notifications. We'll be back with more content this week on OTS. I feel like it's going to be another big week. I'll be in the sub boxes. You know it. I got you guys covered. Thank you guys for the super chats. Really appreciate all the support you guys have shown me the last three days or so. And it's only January 4, man. Crazy. Make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Like I said, a thousand likes is the goal. And next time you see me will probably be tomorrow in the sub boxes. And then Saturday live for SmackDown. Friday night, I will not be live after SmackDown like I usually am. I'm going to a Mark Tremonti concert in Atlantic City, New Jersey at the Borgata Casino. Saturday, I'll be back in New York. We'll do SmackDown in the afternoon. And then I'll be live with House of Glory on Saturday night. How about that schedule? Anyway, guys, thank you for great support tonight. Thank you for everything. I'll see you guys tomorrow right back here with more on Off the Script. I'll see you guys later.